Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Uh, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm here. <laughs> oh, it's so good to hear them dulcimers, isn't it? Those are beautiful instruments. They're beautiful to look at, but they're more beautiful to hear. <laughs> Most days. <laughs> Most days? Okay. Well, today's one of them. All right, well, aren't you glad that you got a reason to enjoy the season this year? There are some people who still, to this day, don't really understand what this time of year is all about. And that is sad. But Jesus is the reason. And, of course, uh, Wayne wants to know, what do you call a book club that's been stuck on one Go on. Laverne, yes, of course, I knew that. Tenth. All right, so Laverne had a birthday, so anybody else? Let's sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God. How about anniversaries? Anybody celebrate an anniversary this past week? No anniversaries. Okay. All right. Well, by way of announcements, um, the tomorrow will be our monthly business meeting beginning at 6 p.m. in the fellowship hall. And uh, there will be Bible study tonight. Uh, but... After tonight, next week through January the 1st, there will be no Sunday night uh, Bible study. This, this Thursday night, we will have Bible study, and then we won't have that class till after the first of the year either. So, But this Thursday and tonight, there will be, in fact, tonight is special. We're having a Christmas party. So, yeah, everybody bring me chocolate. I mean, bring chocolate. <laughs> All right, now we're going to have some fun. Okay, well, I guess then um, that unless there's any other announcements, anybody have any other announcements that need to be made? Okay, then we'll start with our opening hymn this morning, While Shepherds Watched Their Flocks, Brother Bob. Okay, welcome to the usual Sunday morning on uh, at Lexington Christian Church. We're good, glad everybody's here. And uh, Amen. we expect to have a good time in the Lord this morning. Amen. Let's turn to hymn number one ninety-seven. While shepherds watch their flocks by night. 
Brother Mitch, will you lead us in prayer, please? Sure. Our Father in God, we thank you so much, Lord, that we have the privilege to come together here in your house this morning. Lord, you've blessed us all so much, but above all, the blessing of Jesus is more than we can ever, ever give you enough thanks for. Lord, we know that there are times right now that are hard for people. We know that this Christmas will not be as much for some people as they would like for it to be. But Lord, help us remember that Christmas is not about the gifts that we give to one another, but about the gift that you gave us. Help us to remember to celebrate and to be thankful for Jesus who came and paid the debt for our sin that we don't have to. That we could be saved and live for all of eternity with you. Lord, we are so grateful. We love you because you first loved us. Help us to live a life that reflects that love in Jesus' name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Number 208. I heard the bells on Christmas Day.
Turn back to uh, number 189. This will be our communion hymn this morning, Silent Night. Mike Higgins has our uh, communion meditation this morning. The title of the message this morning is Christianity is different. Being a Christian does not mean that we must believe that there is nothing good in other religions. While I'm certainly no expert on world religion, it seems to me that all of the world's largest uh, religions being practiced today include a great deal of teaching about morality and virtue, With we would all agree. If human beings practice these teachings, it would make this world a better place in which to live. There is, however, one characteristic which defines Christianity that sets it apart from 
most other religions in a fundamental way. Most of the, most, if not all of the world's religions demand that human beings achieve perfection by their own strength and will. Different religions all use different methods of doing, doing that, whether through performance of specific rituals, living in life in poverty, and self-sacrifice, even a brief in reincarnation. Christians are called to that same goal, but are given a radical different method for achieving it. The Christian belief contained within the heart of the gospel message itself is that we are powerless to achieve perfection in our own. Indeed, contrary to what our society is telling us, the message of the gospel is that we all are good and that God calls us to accept one another. The message of the gospel is that we hopelessly entangled in sin are powerless to get out of it. All because we cannot help ourselves, God, through the sacrifice of Christ, has given us a means of achieving that which all the major religions of the world calls to us, not by our own efforts, but by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who took our sins upon himself, killed the old sinful nature, and replaced it with his Holy Spirit living within us. We remember that sacrifice today with both sorrow and gratitude, sorrow that it was necessary, and gratitude that Jesus was willing to endure it for us. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we approach this season to remember your birth as you come into this world as a newborn babe, and dear Lord, as we remember how you died upon Calvary's cross to save us from our sins. And dear Lord, as we take of these emblems today, this loaf that represents your broken body and the blood that represents or the cup which represents the blood that you shed there upon Calvary's cross, that dear Lord, we get through you have the hope of eternal life. And Lord, this day as we do this in remembrance of you, remembering everything that you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room for the Passover meal, Jesus took bread and broke it, blessed it, passed it among his disciples, saying, This is my body, broken for you. Eat ye all of it. And likewise the cup after they had eaten. Jesus said he took the, took the cup, blessed it, gave thanks, passed it among them saying, This is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the remission of sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Drink of it, all of you. Let's stand for the doxology. 
praise God from You may be seated, all but uh, Russell and Jeannie. It's, it's dulcimer time. Well, you have to stand up to walk over there, right? Yeah. Okay.
Careful what you ask for, Bob. You just might get it. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. That was very enjoyable. Thank you very much. All right. Man. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm happy to be here this morning because last week this time I didn't feel all that good. <laughs> Oh, praise God, I'm well, and I'm ready to go. So, we're ready to pick up in uh, the book of uh, Mark, uh, chapter 8, beginning at verse 22, and going to verse 26. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Thank you. You can be seated. So here is another of the uh, miracles that Jesus performed, the healing of a blind man, this time at Bethsaida. And, you know, he is, uh, as he travels, there's always, you know, no matter where we go, there's always needs, right? There's, there's always needs. And I think that, unfortunately, we don't often enough go around and look to help meet other people's needs. Uh, we're more likely to go when we have a need and look for someone to meet it than we are to do the opposite. And I think we need to work on that. Because there are a lot of people, no matter how much we think we're uh, without or uh, whatever, there's always people who have a greater need than I do or you do. And so we should try to be students of Jesus and try to look for those needs of people where we can help. And sometimes it doesn't take money. Sometimes it just takes spending time with somebody, someone who's lonely, someone who needs a prayer, someone who just needs a kind word spoken to them. It's not always about money. It's more about love. Jesus didn't come to lavish the earth with money. He came to lavish us with his love. Here is one of those instances where he comes across a man who had been begging. Now, you know, obviously those with eye problems is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> uh, I know what that's like. Uh, and I'm not alone in that by any means. But the thing is, is that this man, he must have had vision at one time. Because otherwise, when Jesus asked him, what do you see, how would he know to say, I see men 
walk, looking like trees, walking around like looking like trees. What would he know? Now, there is a possibility that he had felt a tree and said, you know, making a comparison. But I think it's probably that he had had sight before, but at some point had lost it. And then he became a beggar. And so here these people brought him to Jesus. Now, first of all, there's something very significant about that statement that I think that sometimes we miss, and that is, is that when you have somebody that you know has a need, and even if you can't personally meet it, we can get them to someone who can. We can get them to someone who can. And in this case, Dr. Jesus was coming to town, and he was the best ophthalmologist around. (laughs) And they brought this man that was blind to Jesus. You know, there's literally thousands, if not millions of people in the world around us that are spiritually blind, and Jesus alone can open their eyes. Amen? So we got to bring them to Jesus so that he can open their spiritual eyes. But we have to be willing. And Jesus didn't push the man aside and say, no, nah, i got more important things to do. <laughs> he didn't just walk past him. No. When they brought the man to Jesus, he took him by the hand. And he led him out of the town. Now, why did he lead him out of the town? We don't know. We're not told. But I suspect that one of the major reasons is because Jesus didn't use miracles as a spectacle. You know, there are, there are some ministries in the world today that that's all they do. Is they make big spectacles out of the miracles they flash them on television. They, you know, all, all of the miracles, that's, that's all they're about. And they only want you to know about these things. Now, <clears throat> Jesus wasn't that way. Jesus didn't do it as a spectacle to bring attention to himself or to others per se. He did it because there was a genuine need. And out of love, and because he was the Son of God who could, he would meet these needs. But he again took him outside the city. Now, I think it's also because when a crowd gathers around to see something like that, there's also going to be mockers. There's going to be people who's making fun, stirring up trouble. And so... I think he's avoiding that, too, for this man's sake. Because I know that, well, we all have had things happen. I know when I broke my back when I was a young man, and I wasn't able to do a lot of the things that I had previously been able to do. And... There were people who mocked me for that. Oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just, you're just pretending. You're just lazy. I heard that a lot. And I wished that that's all it was. <laughs> it 
Because if it was just that, I could fix that very easily. But when you can't move certain directions without hurting so bad that you just wish you hadn't got out of bed that day, uh, laziness would have been much preferable to that. (laughs) And so this man, likewise, could have been mocked by some of the people. Oh, you were never really blind. You just lazy. You wanted to beg for a living. Yeah, sure. Uh, How many kids, when you go to a classroom for, I think they do it, you know, first, second, third grade, they ask the kids one day, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a beggar. (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard that one. (laughs) That's, That's not a goal that most people set for themselves, you know? I want to be a fireman. I want to be an uh, 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 astronaut. I want to, there's a little higher calling <laughs> than beggar. Uh, you know, uh, that's just not a, that's not a kind of lifestyle that most people choose for themselves. We know that some people end up there by other choices they've made <laughs> that push them to that point. But that's usually not what they set out to be or to do. And this man, I'm sure, was no different. And so Jesus, when he took him out of the village, then he spit on the man's eyes. Well, it was holy spit. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's Jesus. But Jesus knew what he needed to do. And, you know, you think of it as kind of a washing, a cleansing. But in another place, it said he spit and made mud and put on a man's eyes. What was he doing there? Well, in the original language, Adam, Adam, means man. Adama means earth. See the connection? Adama, Adam, we come from the earth. We were created out of the earth. So when he made the the mud and put it on that man's eyes, he was literally recreating his eyes. And I think this is a shorter version of uh, of that same thing. I think that he's actually healing the eyes and perhaps maybe remaking a part of it. But here is one of the few places where... Jesus, the first time he did something, it didn't work completely. Imagine that. Do you think maybe there's a lesson in that? I think there is. You see, these disciples had seen many of the miracles that Jesus had done, but they still didn't quite get it. We know that because previously we had read about the bread and, and how Jesus had fed the, the 4,000 and prior to that the five or the 7,000. And, and then even right after that, they're on the boat going across the water and Jesus warns them to beware of the... Pharisees. Now, he was talking about their doctrine, but they thought that he was talking about bread. And that shows us they just didn't quite grasp yet who.
who Jesus was. They didn't quite grasp yet, even though their spiritual eyes were partially opened, they still needed to learn some more. They still needed to grow and mature some more in their faith. And I think that that's true of all of us. All of us have come to a point at, at some point in our life. I hope everyone in this room is a, uh, a born-again Christian. But in order to get there, we all came to a point in our life where our spiritual eyes were opened enough to see that we had a need for Jesus. We saw that we were sinners without hope and that we were destined for hell. Someone, in, in, in my case, a, a missionary made that very clear, or not a missionary, but a, uh, uh, an evangelist who'd come to, come to the church and come to town. He made it very clear what hell was and made me realize I was headed there. <laughs> and that was a frightening thought. But that caused my eyes to open just enough to say, hey, uh, I need help here. I can't do this on my own. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. He's the only one. Because in that message, he also made it very clear that Jesus is the only one who could prevent me from going to hell. This horrible place that he had just made such an awful picture of in my mind. And I knew I didn't want to go there. So our eyes become open just just enough to see our need. But that might not be all there is. We need to continue to mature and to grow in our faith. Our eyes are constantly, every time we spend time in the Word of God... Our eyes are being opened just a little bit more. And we begin to see the word of God just a little clearer. We begin to see the plan of God just a little clearer. We begin to understand what we are supposed to do and what God has done just a little clearer. This man is a symbol of that for us. He is showing us how. We grow in stages. We see in stages. I'll give you a perfect example. Have any of you ever been reading a segment of scripture that you've read hundreds of times before? And all of a sudden, boom! It makes sense and you understand it. Anybody experience that besides me? Yeah. See, our spiritual eyes were open. Why? Because we had an application for that. We had a need for that at that moment. And God used it to clarify for us, to open our eyes just a little more. Now we're not seeing that as in a a light dimly, but it's been made clear. It's been opened. Our eyes were opened a little wider. We saw a little clearer. You know, Jesus could have just spoke. And this man's eyes would have been perfect. So why didn't he? He was showing us these things. He's making this clear for us. That even though sometimes we think 
we're seeing the whole picture or that we think we're seeing everything clearly. It might not be nearly as clear as we think it is until we go to the Lord and ask him to open our eyes and make it clear. You know, there are those who think they understand what Christmas is all about. They're constantly writing their list of what they want for Christmas and what they're going to get others for Christmas. And they think that they know what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about giving and getting, right? Christmas is all about a big fat guy in a red suit with a white beard, right? And his sleigh and his reindeer. That's what Christmas is really all about, right? Wrong. You know, there used to be a display in Charlestown where they had Santa Claus bowed down before baby Jesus. You know, that was neat, but I got to thinking that's still wrong. (laughs) It's still wrong because it implies that Santa Claus was around before Jesus. Before Jesus Christ, there was no Christmas, folks. (laughs) It's good that Santa Claus is bowing down to the Savior because that's the way it really is. Jesus is the reason for the season. What? You mean mean it's not just about buying things? It's not just about getting things and, and giving things? Nope, not even close. It's about Jesus. He is the only real reason for the season. He was the gift. Not a gift, the gift. And you know, they say the gift that keeps on giving. Well, that's true of Jesus alone. Jesus alone is the gift that keeps on giving. Why? Because he never stops Loving, He never stops wanting to open our eyes a little more. He never stops wanting us to see more of the truth, revealing more of what we are supposed to do, how we are supposed to live, how we are supposed to love one another. The Bible said it very clearly when he said the two greatest commands are to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now that's not the gospel, folks. But it's how we live out the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus came, the Son of God, perfect, holy, righteous, came into a body of flesh, corrupted by the fall of man, was born of a woman, born of a virgin, a miracle birth. And he came not so that we could shower him with gifts not so that he could just brag and say look at me he came because we needed a savior he came to die because the death penalty of sin he died in my place and in yours he came That we could live through his death, burial, 
and resurrection. When we accept that, when we believe that, when we receive him into our heart, into our mind, into our life, when we allow him to live in us and through us, then we have received the gospel. He is the gospel. Without Christ, there is no gospel, folks. It's about him. And he, he came for you and for me. He came because we couldn't pay the debt that we owed for the sin that we had done. Not the sin that our grandma and grandpa done or that Adam and Eve had done. Not that alone. He came because of your sin and my sin. If there's anyone here who says they have not sinned, the Bible says you're a liar. <laughs> I don't. The Bible does. We've deceived ourselves into thinking that somehow we don't need a Savior. We're perfect as we are. For those who say there is no God, that's basically what they're saying. I, have, I am not a sinner. I don't need a Savior. There is no God. There is no Savior. There's no need because there's me. I'm good enough all by myself. Well... I hope they change their minds before they stand before the true judge. Because without recognizing that there is a God and that he sent his son and that he died in our place, our substitute paid the debt that we could not pay so that we could receive a reward that we could never otherwise have. Until we all know that and receive that and believe that and live that. Then there's literally hell to pay. So, where do you stand? Where do you stand? Have you begun that journey? Have your eyes been opened enough to know that you need Jesus. But did you stop there? Once you give your life to Jesus, did you stop? Did you stop reading and growing and maturing? Did you stop realizing how much we need him? Who makes me breathe? Jesus. He created me that way. Everybody says it's your autonomic nerve system that causes you to breathe. Who made that? God did. You see, we need him just for life itself. But even how much more for eternal life. I pray that your eyes are still being opened. That you are beginning to see more clearly. And more clearly. And more clearly. And that we will continue to see more clearly until the day that all questions are removed and we stand before our Lord and Savior. If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Brother Bob. Our invitation to him this morning is number 191. Hark the herald angels sing. Let's stand and sing.
you may be seated. I don't know if there were any announcements that you didn't <coughs> cover, Mitch. You have anything else for us? Ah, uh, glory to God. Amen. Amen. Looking forward to the party tonight. Yes, we are. Tonight. You got There are always more questions. Let's see, we have here a uh, Christmas card. Counting our blessings with love, Junior and Jenny Oliver. All glory and praise belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're so thankful that for He that is in you. Your prayers, loves, gifts, and helping hands have seen us through this trial. May God's blessings be with you and your families this Christmas and the new year to come. So uh, this will be out on the bulletin board in the middle room, on, or at or on the half-round table. Uh, let's see, we do have a couple of... Some, uh... Freddie, who did you have this morning for... Uh... Lowell Whitehead. Lowell Whitehead. Man, how'd that go? Well, we have a 30-year firefighter. Yes. 30 years. Now, congratulations. I didn't think he was even 30 years old. <laughs> Same fire? <laughs> Same fire all 30 years? Yeah. All right. Do we have a Christmas song coming? I hope so. Yeah. She's been learning something in Sunday school, and so she wants to do it for you. We'll take a few minutes. All right. She's going to stay right here for a few minutes. You need a microphone? Very good. Very good. All right, let's stand together and we'll pray. And uh, looks like she's going to be passing out goodies as we go out. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your, your love for us. It is on display for us to see anytime 
We just open your word and see what you have done for us. Lord, help us to share that love with everyone we come in contact with. Because truly, this is not a season of of just giving and getting. It's a season of love. So help us to live that love and truly, truly get into the reason for this season. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.